Hello, and welcome to the Bees Knees podcast. This is your host, PJ Ewing. Today, we have a lengthy interview with a physical therapist named Michelle Stiles. I came across Michelle through some of her outbound work on Twitter and YouTube, and then I visited her website, and I learned about what she does, and I just really wanted her on the podcast as soon as possible, and we did that soon enough. And now we can share that with you today. It's a little over an hour, so sit down and get a comfortable chair and a cup of coffee and maybe a notepad because there's some great insight here. I also want to point out that there are some very important links to content that we talk about in this interview that are placed in the show notes on this podcast. Or if you just go to the episode webpage, you can find those links as well. You will want those links. You'll want to write them down or click on them and store them because there are some tests that you may consider taking There's some evaluations that you may want to do. This is really about what is your condition? Do you need knee surgery? Can you avoid knee surgery? Can you put it off? How do you put it off, particularly if you're at a younger age? Michelle will go into some real detail about why it's advisable and how you can avoid it, but why it's advisable to potentially put off surgery if you're in your late 40s or early 50s and how one does that. And also, if you can predict your likelihood of needing a knee replacement or other knee surgery, there are some markers and some tests that can be done that Michelle takes us through that you will find extremely interesting. I really think this is a great episode for those that are under 55 years old who would rather not go through a total knee replacement quite yet or maybe ever. Uh, So this is a good one. Uh, get comfortable, be ready to take some notes, or uh, just afterwards, click on the um, episode webpage and visit the site where you will see some some important links that sort of support the conversation that we're having. Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Hello, everyone. This is PJ, and I am really excited here today, right now, to have Michelle Stiles, a physical therapist, with us. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi. Hi, PJ. Nice to be here with you. <laughs> it's early, right, where you are? It is early. Tucson. I've had my second cup of coffee and had a, a bracing walk of my dog so that I'm uh, uh, awake and alive and <laughs> ready, to, ready to chat. What time did you get up this morning? Uh, 4.45. Good Lord. It had to be. I'm in the east here in the west. (laughs) Well, you kind of start to do that when you live in in Tucson and the big ball of sun comes up and, you you know, in order to get some outside time in the the summer, you really need to get up early. So it's just sort of Hmm. a habit. Well, what kind of dogs do you have? Uh, Little um, cockapoos. Nice. A great little, great little dog, yeah. Yeah. And they're quiet. Mm-hmm. They were barking earlier before this call started. I know. <laughs> Speaking dulcet tones. We want to make them <laughs> that up. That brandy was great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here um, to talk about Michelle and the work that she does. I'm uh, very excited to, to have you on the, on the call. I, I was observing some of your work on YouTube, and I became aware of your blogging and just your communication, and I was you know, interested immediately because it seems to me that, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth because you're going to get a great chance to talk all you want, but that we have an opportunity to actually, with Michelle's help, 
completely avoid, in some cases, avoid having to do knee surgery, avoid knee replacement. There are, you know, for those that are potentially in the right circumstance, it, there are diet, uh, inflammation, knowledge, uh, the exercises, programs that one can adopt to just not put the pressure on the knees, avoid osteoarthritis, and, and maybe just skip this whole knee surgery and recovery thing altogether. The bee's knees is about knee surgery and recovery, but we're going to maybe shortcut everything that we talk about in this little podcast and maybe be able to avoid it with Michelle's help. Um, so that's my, my little thought that, you know, we can put, in the, put a pin in that. But let's get into, you know, your background, you, what you do. Um, take us a little bit of back and, and, and tell us your story just a little bit. Well, I've been a uh, physical therapist for over 25 years. Um, I, uh, you know, I got into it and uh, was very, very fortunate to work with a outstanding orthopedic surgeon early on in my career. He was on the East Coast in Virginia Beach. His name was Dr. Lewis Jordan um, in the Jordan Young Sports Institute. Um, he was really a pioneer. And at the time, um, he... Uh, you know, still early going in those years, you know. I mean, they were just sort of, um, it was going into full swing, let's say. And uh, so, but he was um, really had a lot of foresight. Um, he was a, I think it's, I believe it was from Cornell or Colgate, an old basketball player. And um, he very much took care, it was very a paternalistic sort of uh, practice. He realized that um, you know, rehab was such a big part of it, especially back then because people uh, didn't get their knees done right away, right? Because this was still still kind of an odd thing to do. And so their, their range of motion was much more abbreviated and they had, you know, profound weakness in many cases. So the rehab was a lot different back then. And so he realized that, you know, if he didn't uh, make the rehab go smoothly for his patients, it didn't matter how good a surgeon he was. You know what I mean? If the rehab mm-hmm. screwed up his surgery, it, there wasn't going to be a good outcome for his patient. And then he would have, I mean, a, a, an excellent outcome was a walking marketing tool for him, right? Mm-hmm. So he understood that right away. And um, he actually came to the home health agency that I worked for and instructed us on what he wanted done with his patients, which is, <laughs> I mean, I've never had that happen uh, again. But um, so I, and you know, he's one of the first advocated doing the exercises four times a day in that frequency level. And as a young PT, I thought, well, I think that's a little bit too much, you know. Geez, can my 80-year-old lady do that? And should I be suggesting that? Um, and as I, you know, worked with him longer, um, you know, I was like, wow. I was just blown away. And then I added some things of my own. Um, and that's the system that I ended up created. And then the book that I ended up publishing. Um, and I thought, you know, yeah, I just want to get this out there to people because, um, you know, after I finished working with him and then I worked with another pretty top group uh, in New York, I went on the road and I found out that, you know, wow, there are a lot of gaps out here, you know, for people that are not getting something that I think is just like I thought everybody knew this. And, um, you know, uh, again, earlier on before I had had that experience, when you know, we, there's a basic set of exercises that we give everybody, and generally speaking, you know, we'll go, hmm, well, if somebody doesn't do well, it's on the patient. You know, that's kind of the default in therapy. So, well, they're not really, you know, they're not really doing them. Yeah, they say they're doing them, but they're not. 
Um, but what I really found out is that, you know, when we have them measure, and one of the things that uh, I did was change degrees to inches. So I created, you know, a way for them to measure their progress session by session so that they weren't just treadmilling. And, you know, what, what would happen was it would get stiff and then they would stretch and they would get back to that same point but no further and then they would stretch again and go back to that same point. Would stretch. So they were actually doing the exercises, but they weren't effective for them. Anyway, so we tried to you know, fix that. And again, I put you know, different pieces of this puzzle together. And um, as I had a lot of time you know, with people in the home, and I think that's another benefit of the track that I pursued you know, kind of outside the clinic, it allowed me to be one-on-one with people, figure out what didn't work for them and why they didn't succeed, and then, you know, when I did get kind of the system down between Dr. Jordan's stuff and mine, um, I was like, wow, this really goes easily. <laughs> and I was kind of amazed. Even 84-year-old women, I mean, it's like I could tell you, you would make, if you would follow the system, you, you, would, you would increase two to three degrees per day. And, and now, you know, for somebody, you know, I'm kind of a go-getter, and I think, geez, it doesn't sound like very much, and when you show somebody two to three degrees on a goniometer, you know, that little tool that you measure angles with, um, you go, wow, that's not very much. Uh, I'm doing all this work. But when you, when you put two to three degrees together for a week and you get 21 degrees range of motion, um, it's, you know, it's phenomenal for people. It's a huge week. And a huge week. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they would just, and, and, and I could just track it. I said, now, I would go into a patient on Friday, so now if you can do this, you're at this amount here, two or three degrees, so you should be here by Monday. And we'll check that. And they were. And, and so that's why I put it out there, the little book. So wait a minute. Um, Is that this, this Fast Track Your Recovery from a Total Knee Replacement? That's the book we're talking about, right? Right, right. Okay. And so it's all in there, the protocol that you're described that you refined from Dr. Jordan, the work that you did. Um, the four, is, is it turn out to be four times a day? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, yeah, it is. the frequency is four times a day. And the reason for that is everyone who has a knee replacement will say the morning stinks, right? You get up, you feel like it's Groundhog's Day, <laughs> that movie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, uh, sure. Bill Murray. Bill right? Murray. And, uh, yeah, I got to start over again, and my knee feels like, you know, garbage. And um, so what happens is over the night you're not moving, right? And the swelling comes back in that knee. And then you do the bending exercises and, you know, you get back to square one first thing in the morning. Then the second section, you can, you know, you know, move off that mark and make some progress. The third session, a little bit more. The second, fourth session, sometimes people are a little tired, but if you at least maintain, you don't fall back. You know what I mean? And you start making progress through the day. When you do this eight-hour, like maybe twice-a-day thing, um, or even one time a day is worse, um, and uh, then, you, then you basically will get back to baseline. What you're doing is you're swelling the knee, the, knee, the fluid's kind of creeping back in, you'll drive it out, you'll get back to that, let's say, wherever you were, and then you'll wait eight hours, the fluid comes back, you drive it out again, and so there's this sort of plateauing, treadmill, you know, getting stuck um, type effect that happens when you do low frequency. Mm, so frequency is really key to this thing. It totally does. Totally does. So super, frequency is key. key. Yeah. 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 Big, big thing. Four times a day. And how long are the sessions? And are you doing, 
you know, quad sets and heel slides or what, what are you, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, they're not, sessions? the sessions aren't very long. They're, you know, maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes by the time you put the icing and elevating. Um, mm. But here, here's another key is that there's three phases. You work on range of motion first, then you work on, you have and, and a baseline strength, you know, a basic strength. And then you focus more on strengthening and then you focus on body weight, functional mobility. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you don't confuse those three and start mixing them all together, you have a much better outcome. Interesting. And, do, and is this something for people to start, you know, three days post-surgery, four days? When, when do they usually get going? Oh, right away, right away. The range, Got it. right away. That was one of the things that, you know, the, with the Jordan Young, we, we had a, you know, they had pre-surgical education, one, right? You don't want to... <laughs> Educate them about their rehab recovery process when they have opioids flowing through their mind. <laughs> okay? <laughs> right. Because they're going to yeah. be a lot less. I mean, you know, it's just like that, that doesn't, you shouldn't have that be the first time they hear what they're going to be doing. So the pre-surgical education was important. Then the hospital would push to get range of motion. And again, that was something I found when I went around that a lot of these hospitals were just, hey, can you go up the stairs? Can you get in out of bed? You're going home. And they never bend them in the hospital. Because it's a, you know, I don't know, they don't have the resources. I don't know why they don't. I mean, they just, it's mm-hmm. not good practice. I mean, they should be bending right away. Um, it, it, you know, and back in the old days, right, I call that, um, they were, you know, you have to get to 90 before you can go home. So when they get that yeah. early push, then they would fall back when they went on, um, uh, you know, oral um, pain meds, they would fall back a little bit. So I usually see them, you know, getting them at maybe mid-80s. You know, you know, we certainly had some, some, you know, bad cases, but, you know, a lot of them might have been mid-80s by the time I get them, and then we, you know, move on from there. Like, there's a little bed program that's a basic strengthening program, okay, um, that you're doing along with it. But if I find that they can't make progress, I just say, okay, stop whatever that other stuff is and only focus on range until you get this thing moving because, quite honestly, that's usually the hardest part of what you're going to do. It's relatively easy to build strength back in the knee, but that, that, you know, getting that range of motion early is the, is the bugger. And um, if I can get them to take their pain meds, get through that range, then everything else goes a lot easier. There's also a lot of evidence to suggest, and I've witnessed it firsthand, where, you know, building strength uh, has to follow at least halfway decent range of motion. Uh, and if you right. get range of motion, you can then get to strengthening, and you're going to do a lot better. I've seen some research, and I've seen it sort of in, in practice. Um, yeah. Well, so, so this was in 2012. You published that book. It's on Amazon now for those who want to mm-hmm. consume this, Fast Track Your Recovery from a Total Knee Replacement. Um, and uh, that, that's a moment in time for you, I guess, right? I mean, that's, is that the beginning of you kind of starting to put your own stuff out there, would you say? Yeah, I think, um, I'm not sure, I can't remember actually if I, I think I had the blog up there for a little bit. And then part okay. of that was just um, my sense that people were not getting adequate information. And that's sort of my nature. I'm trying to dig below the marketing hype for people. Um, you know, one of, you know, my favorite uh, posts out there is the 501k guinea pig. And people really don't know, they think that the implants have clinical trials behind them. I don't know if you've talked to this on your show before. I've not. No. Go ahead. Oh, let's hear it. Okay. All right. So, like, uh, let's say, you know, Biomed or Zimmer or Stryker comes out with the eye balance knee or the whatever their, you know, name of their latest implant is. 
people, you know, think, okay, well, they had to have had clinical trials to allow this thing on the market. The fact is they go through a fast-track approval process called a 501K, and they basically, the FDA will say, well, it's, you know, it's similar to everything else on the market. But it could be changing the components. It could be changing, you know, a critical part of the structure. And that's why you see these lawsuits because they get out there and then in the first maybe, you know, five years is when you're going to see that something maybe is wrong with that implant. Certainly you saw that with the the hips, with the ceramic versus the metal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And now you see just different, different constructions of implants can have different, you know, failure points. And uh, they won't know that until they get it in your knee. <laughs> Start getting feedback. So that's the scary part. I always tell people to get the Honda Civic. Of <laughs> okay? Right. You know, you don't sure. want, you do not, especially, especially if you're young, BJ, because if, you know, God forbid, you know, you're looking at a lengthy time in your knee anyway, and, and you get a bad implant, they have to be redone in five years. So let's say you're 50 and you have to have a redo at 55. Um, you're looking at a third knee replacement, um, you know, 15, 20 years down the road maybe, and we don't even know if they're going to last that long in younger people. Um, you know, by the time, it, with a third knee, you're looking, do we have enough bone left, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, <clears throat> the complication rate goes up, knee function goes down, you know, the outcomes, you know, are not as good. Um, so you know, you really want to be really careful what you're putting in your knee. You, you only want a tested one. You know, sense? it's funny you say that you, because people yell, this is so great to hear from you, by the way, and we don't talk enough about it. And I, I talk to knee patients all the time. And uh, do you know what hardware is in your body? Nope. <laughs> no idea. I think it might be a Dupuis. I don't know. You know, like they, they just, it's not part of the conversation because they're shopping for surgeons, not brands of implants when they're, you know, doing their first investigations or their friend recommended the surgeon and it kind of never comes up. So there's a lack of exploration on that topic, I think, by patients. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, some people try to pick the type and I don't recommend doing that, but you do want to have that conversation with the surgeon because here's the thing, they do get compensated by these guys, right? right? Uh, The the implant companies. So they're on, you know, I don't know what they could, it's not like a retainer fee, but it's, you know, consulting fees and things like that, right? Yeah. And um, so they're incentivized to put the new things in people's knees. And so if you're, you know, dealing with that, now the old guys and the really the guys with integrity will not do that because they understand that um, it could be their reputation, right? Yeah. On the line too, I think the rep, and have it, hmm? I think the rep can be in the in the operating theater as well for the the implant manufacturer. Oh, they definitely you know, are in there because yeah. there's so many different you know there'll be different equipment to put them in or pull them, um, and they do have to give them some. Um, my my cousin's actually a a, a rep for spinal parts, hmm. so really? they're they're definitely in there with them so that they can kind of advise them on any different changes and things for that particular model. Interesting. So yeah. all of this work though, it really led, and I'm glad we had that chat about your book and about the recovery program, but kind of led you to 
try to preempt all of this with your work, I think, which is right. a natural knee rescue. Um, let's see if we can just avoid you needing to go to surgery. And maybe I'm overstating it. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So it, it might be avoid or maybe it's, you know, put off for as long as possible mm-hmm. the, the need for well, surgery. Well, it's avoid and put off. Here's the thing, right? Um, more and more I was just actually being alarmed at the growing number of people getting early knee replacements and having it be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get this at 50, no problem. I mean, I think there are, um, again, a lot of, we just talked about this implant issue. We, um, we haven't talked about, you know, the trajectory of demographics, right? Um, mm-hmm. We have the baby boomers tripping into 65 and over. There's going to be, there's three quarter of a million of these being done right now, scheduled to, to double, you know, um, in a few years. So you're talking about more initial surgeries and more revisions. Um, and then you have to say as a society, right now, already total needs are one of the highest Medicare expenditures. So where is the money going to come from when we double these? You're just putting yourself in a real dependent track down the road. You see what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a more, you know, I don't want to be dependent on something if I can possibly avoid that, right? And so people are just kind of willingly hopping on this train going, oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the marketing claim is that they're going to last, um, you know, 20, 25 years. And that's based, all those numbers are based on 70 and 80-year-olds. We don't have numbers. Mm-hmm. In fact, the numbers we do have are kind of scary. So, like, five-year revision rates for um, people under, I think the cutoff is 60. Um, over 60, it's like we have a 95% survival rate, which is what they say, um, in people over 65, let's say. All right? So only mm-hmm. that means only 2% of people need revision in five years. Well, that's pretty good, right? Well, that drops, if you're, if you're under 60 or 65, I forget what the cutoff is, um, that drops by 5% the first five years. So it's now oh. a 93% survival rate, mm-hmm. which if you extrapolate that out, there'll be a much lower long-term survival rate in the younger patients because they're way more active. Right. Right, yeah. And the so, demographics um, you're talking about are, are trending toward younger knee replacements, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more and more people, I mean, that's the largest category of people um, having knee replacements. And so, and then, then, you know, I, I got into a lot of the research and I started finding out something that I tell people that, you know, chronic knee pain is like a check engine light on your body dashboard. <laughs> that's cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. um, we find that there's people who have OA, osteoarthritis, um, have a 38% increased risk of cardiovascular disease, um, 55% increased risk of all-cause mortality, um, 95% increased risk of diabetes, 128% increased risk of cancer. Um, so those are some kind of alarming... And, and tell me this. It's very alarming, uh, but is this because of the lack of mobility? Is that where, where this is headed, where you're going to have all these other potential comorbidities or conditions because you can't move because of the OA? Right. Is that what we're Right, saying? right. Now, that's right. That would be, you, you could, could make that correlation if we were only talking about cardiovascular disease. But when you start talking about cancer. Cancer, yeah. 
what's yeah. going on there? Yeah, I don't know. Right? Puzzling. That's really head-scratching. It's like 128% increased risk of cancer. So um, what you find out, and there's really some good studies, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's elevated C-reactive protein. And so C-reactive protein is a, um, uh, an inflammatory marker that your liver secretes in the presence of increased cytokines. So um, if what we know is that normal people have C-reactive protein levels under 6, rheumatoid arthritis, which we know as an inflammatory disease, are higher up the chain, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. The numbers are quite elevated. But what they found is that in a certain kind of phenotype of osteoarthritis, um, C-reactive proteins are from like 6 to 11. So they're slightly elevated, and um, that's a really – so now when we knew that, the, the first study to um, find that out. Oh, and then secondly, is that that elevated C-reactive protein will predict progression of knee OA. Right. Which is phenomenal, right? Right. So Huge. Um, wow. Uh, so why wouldn't I want to know my C-reactive protein level? And, and is, is, it, is it CRP, do they actually call it CRP? C-reactive yeah. protein? Yeah. Right. And so, 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 yeah, it sounds like, from what you're saying, we want to know our, our CRP level, right? That, that's a, something that we'd want to know if we're right, you know, in our 40s or you, early 50s. Yeah, absolutely. So, so maybe some of your pain is related to your high inflammation levels driving this early degeneration of your knee. Okay, and then I have a great, mm-hmm. a great study um, that it's, it's from 2018, and um, it's, it basically talks about um, the same factors that they, there's four inflammatory um, factors, um, LOX, one receptor, CRP, interleukin-6, and reactive oxidative species, okay? Those four inflammatory markers um, have been implicated in knee degeneration as well as cardiovascular and cerebrovascular hmm. problems. Hmm. So those same markers that are affecting your knee are affecting your heart and affecting your brain. Wow. Yeah, and that's wow. 2008. so it's 2018. That research is, you know, it's state of the art. They're, they're connecting the dots on these things, and they're looking um, at the same sort of, you know, factors that um, are influencing a lot of these chronic degenerative conditions that were are really um, exploding. And are we able to get readings? Can we get these tests done? Is it a trick to do that? Yeah, no, C-reactive protein, you can, well, you can, of course, ask your doctor, um, but you can actually, they do direct labs now, except for like three states. I know New York is one of them that they do not allow you to order your own labs in New York. I think it's Rhode Island, maybe Massachusetts is the third one. So there's three mm. states that cannot do this. You have to go okay. through your doctor, but everybody else in the country can go on a, you know, uh, a lab, uh, online lab company and order C-reactive protein. It's maybe $30 and get that test. Now, Michelle, this is so great to have on, on the podcast. Have you written about this? Is there a blog that you've written about this you particular thing? By any I, I, started, I started a book. Um, chronic knee pain, a wake-up call, not a prescription for surgery. 
And I've been putting most of my efforts into that and blogging. You know, my blog is more on the knee replacement recovery, and I, I feel bad. I just haven't had time to get it out there. So I've been doing some videos, video content, um, and I will be blogging more on it. So, mm-hmm. Well, let me know when you do, because I'd like to make my audience highly aware of what you're writing, because it seems like, you know, I speak with, you speak with a lot of people that are younger, facing a knee replacement, and they, I don't think that they feel they've got much of an alternative. Oh, I'm just going to do it. It's just, darn it, it's, it's, it's time. And, and so they dive right in, and um, without some of the thinking that, you know, they might have had indicators like you're, you're describing, there might be alternatives, you know, just physically and diet that you can take, which we'll talk about. Uh, but, but there's a, maybe a, a, a ha, 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 knee-jerk reaction to knee pain, and suddenly they find themselves in, in the operating room. And I, I right. think that you're setting us up for a lot more exploration prior to that decision, really. Right. And, and you know what, PJ? Here's the thing. Here's what I think is one of the problems with this and why people tend to gravitate that way is because of that model or that idea, that theoretical model that osteoarthritis is wear and tear. So if my knee is like a brake pad, right, mm-hmm. and it's worn out, once your brake pad is worn out, what do you do? You go to the service guy and you get a new one, right? And right. so, But if it's inflammatory and there's conditions circulating around my knee causing it to degenerate earlier, um, then it's a completely different idea. And really, the research bears a lot of this out. They even did, okay, so I wasn't so sure about helping people who had, you know, joint injury. Now, um, you know, because, you know, that's just, you're specifically um, making the joint more unstable, right? You've had some intervention there. Uh, but there's even some, some research, some early research on, like, when they do mouse models where they kind of traumatize the knee, they do some injury to it, and then they put it in an inflammatory um, state, and they see a greater progression of that knee OA, you know, from an injury even. So there, there may be hope both ways. Like the, the traditional um, inflammatory phenotype of OA, PJ, would be more related to somebody who hasn't had an injury, who has pain in both of their knees, because remember it's systemic, right? That inflammation isn't going to affect one knee more than the other knee. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've got somebody with both knees hurting them, um, and they're maybe, you know, kind of younger, and they don't know why. And, um, you know, but there is evidence as well to suggest that even people with injury uh, in an inflammatory environment might progress that OA faster than somebody that doesn't have an inflammatory environment. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Okay, so this is, really, yeah, totally. We, we kind of need to, yeah, something yeah, we kind of really need to get to here in this whole understanding or maybe breaking down some maybe common misconceptions is the idea of um, imaging studies and what they can actually tell people. Have hmm. you guys talked about that at all in your... No, no. Gosh, this is good. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Love it. So, so um, and I just interviewed two orthopedic guys. One's a regular orthopedic guy that does total knees, but he also does stem cell stuff. And another guy's mainly stem cells now. And they both said the same thing, right? And, and we know this. There's a lot of research. We've done tons of research, okay, that what you're looking on when you're looking at a knee imaging study, it is not predictive of, of the person's pain. 
Okay? So, like, this guy, this orthopedic guy said, yeah, I have this triathlon guy. He looks terrible on x-rays, but he's still doing triathlons and has minimal pain. Right? And then you see somebody else whose radiograph is not that bad, and they're just miserable and say they need a knee replacement. Okay? So they don't correlate well. And, and again, they've done studies. Well, they'll pull, pull people off the streets with what they, you know, they don't have any problem with their back. They'll take x-rays. And these people look like they're walking around with disc problems, mm-hmm. full-blown disc problems. So, um, and, and that is really one of the, because people just lock onto that. They go like, well, that is the reason for my pain, and therefore I need a knee replacement. The doctor said I'm bone on bone, and therefore, you know, everything follows from that. And there was a, um, there's a, a famous surgeon, his, his name is Dr. James Andrews. He actually, did a big Buffalo Bills fan, right? He actually looked at uh, Josh Allen's uh, Tommy John injury last year on his elbow, okay? And mm-hmm. he did an informal study, and he took Major League Baseball pitchers that were, you know, active, and he had MRIs taken. He had a non-partial observer read them. And like 90% of them or more had rotator cuff injuries, according to that observer, and, and um, like 80% had labrum tears. He's famously quoted in the New York Times in like 2014, so this is fairly recent, as saying, if you want to do a shoulder surgery, take an MRI. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. so, you know, they, they don't, there's, you know, the body can repair itself, in other words, where it looks injured, uh, but it isn't contributing to pain and dysfunction in the body. I, 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 I've come across this one-on-one with a, a patient who did both knees, and, you know, one seemed to really be in trouble, and he was having some issues, and the other wasn't. But he said, you know, I'm kind of older, and my doctor said it's going to be a problem, so I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so he didn't Never. Yeah, not, it wasn't a terrible story in the I don't I mean this is a few years ago. His name is Vic. Good good lovely lovely man. But but he did both and recovered and you know and went hiking soon afterwards. But but I always wondered, did he really need that second knee to be done? It you know, he, he did it. But uh, yeah. you know, it was it was kind of curious that he would just decide that yeah, it it feels fine, but I guess I'm gonna go do it with his thing. Oh. So. Yeah. Never. That's yeah. my advice. Never. If you're not symptomatic, do not get a knee replacement ever. I don't care if they say, well, you're going to need one in two years. No. You yeah. Know, absolutely not. I, I love your so, bias. So we get, so uh, that there's way. a thing called. I agree with you. Actually, yeah, there's actually a thing called a Kelgren Lawrence score. Kelgren Lawrence. Have not. Let's hear right. about it. And, tri- and traditionally, you had to have a Kelgren Lawrence of three or four to kind of qualify. That was sort of one of the, you know, it showed, it demonstrated that you were actually, in fact, end stage, and this was an appropriate um, intervention for you, right? And so um, I just asked this orthopedic, because it's been, you know, it's come up in my research and stuff and, and in my own thinking. So I'm, I'm wondering, I don't even, I, I wonder if they're even using these Calvin Morris scores anymore. And he, and he said so to me, really. He's just like, you know, I don't treat, I don't treat the test, I treat the person. So the person complains enough that the knee hurts and they want it, they'll go ahead and do it. But now some of the research is, is suggesting that people who get 
early knee replacements when their their Tugan Lawrence score is only a one or a two are more unhappy with the results and can tend to have lingering pain. In fact, they did research for this one guy's practice and they took all the knees that were still having problems after a year and they ruled out people who actually had clinical problems like loosening or an infection and then they were left with about 40 people and of those 40 people, they went back and had um, an observer look at their pre-surgical x-rays and half of those were Calgary Lawrence one or two. And they had, and so that, these were people who just, who, they weren't happy, their knee still hurts, and they, you know, their knee OA, uh, according to the Calgary Lawrence score, was only a one or a two. And, so and, and sisters, explain that to us. A one or the two is, means that it's not uh, suggestive of major problems. Very or, mild. How does very that feel? Mild. Very mild. Okay. Degenerative changes. So you might see some osteophytes, you may see some minor joint narrow, space narrowing, um, you know, they're looking for certain little things. And, and so one is just, just starting, you know, two is, a, you know, a little bit more. And then three is like you're really starting to see some changes. And four is full-blown. Boy, the joint's really looking crummy from an Got x sample. So mild cases. Now, and, and it seems to me as we head towards some of the work that you're doing, I do want to get to your, your, the, the things mm-hmm. that you do, natural knee rescue specifically, um, is those might be the people that you're really anxious to get your hands on. You, Michelle, yeah. with what you yeah. do. Oh, because, yeah, Absolutely. Right? Like Target on right. their back, talk to Michelle, set up a consultation. Yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Because I think, I, I, you know, if it were me, I would absolutely give your knee, you know, a chance. I mean, at the very least, you're going to give it a 30-day test a 30-day anti-inflammatory test, you know what I mean? And see if mm-hmm. you can move the dial in any way. And, um, you know, but, you know, it's going to take a little time, right? Most chronic diseases are, you know, a result of, you know, maybe one or two decades of, uh, you know, problems internally, homeostatic problems that are, you know, sort of subterranean in, according to the medical model, right? Um which brings us to sort of that um, blood chemistry test that you can take um, and sort of identify some things. But I don't know if I'm jumping the gun if you want to, you know, talk about the main program first. But, um, you know. Well, it's funny. I'm thinking about. Basically, you don't just wake up with osteoarthritis one day. Right. And same thing with heart disease. It's decades in the making, but our, our medical system doesn't, promote finding out underlying dysfunctions that are predisposing you to disease down the road. They're really good at saying, ha, you've got disease, <laughs> but not very good at, en- at intervening at any point prior to that. I'd like to um, take uh, this opportunity with this interview with you to, you know, when we finally published uh, a blog version in addition to the podcast, and, and, of course, in the podcast description, uh, the links to these places to understand the Kelvin Lawrence, to understand the CRP test and any other assessment oh, yeah. evaluations that we could that you, you already have the links. But I'd like to include those so that the listeners can go while they're listening, Absolutely. look around and, and, and maybe decide to go forward with the test themselves themselves. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, we should do that. I mean, of course, this should 
this should percolate throughout your work. I'm sure it does with the blogs that you write. And I, I haven't read enough of your, your writing, a little, but not enough. And I'm, I'm excited to go back. I really am. Um, and, and it'd be fun for me to, you know, in the various forums that I have out there on Facebook to share the work that you're doing. It's, it's, it's really, it's, you know what I like about what you're doing is you're not, it's not medical speak. I mean, yes, there's some technical things here and you are crossing into some medical terms that yeah, I had not heard of before, but you're really explaining them to a layman, me, and I think those that are listening uh, very well. It, it, it's fun to listen to you talk because you, you kind of get it you know, from, from what your descriptions are. Right. If they go to that poon mm-hmm. smart and they jump into that, that thread there and, you know, that under 40 thread and they, everybody's saying, hey, go for it. I, I just think, you know, really, you've you got to think through this some more, right? There's, there's a lot of other considerations yeah. for you to make a really good choice for yourself. Yeah, and we talked about that because you've got a concern over those, those forums and, you know, maybe where they're funded or what the dialogue is. And I have to be honest, I, I have a number of private Facebook discussion groups that I've created. And, you know, there is a, there's a bias that you'll see. For instance, the one that's growing the most is about bilateral knee replacement re- mm-hmm. and recovery. And I asked recently, hey, if you were to do it again, would you do both knees? And it was 100%. Everybody, absolutely. Uh, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And mm-hmm. I'm one, I was wondering, okay, well, maybe they really are all happy with their bilateral. But it also mm-hmm. might be that, you know, they made a decision and they want everyone to know that they made the right decision, right? Yeah. So, so it's like we're just going to – whether we like it or not, we're telling it because it, it's too late for us. And, and, you know, we want everyone to believe and validate us making the right decision. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. There's a group bias there. Uh, yeah, that's a – yeah. I wouldn't do it myself, but – Yeah. Know. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, so let, let's get into – um, the the things that I observed on your website and your blog, and, and let's go into that first. It's totalkneerreplacementrecovery.net, right? That's the right place to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can to, actually get. To, to we're visit. kind of I'm kind of rebranding it a little bit because I am moving into the natural knee recovery. Um, it's just you know where my passion is. I you know like I went through some health issues myself and um, just you know realized wow I'm really missing the boat here. And I had I had a, a good friend that was a trainer and. Um, you know, he taught me some stuff, and I was just like, you know, kind of blown away that, you know, there was, there's just, uh, you know, the potential to really um, step out of, not completely out of the mainstream model, but, but, but take ownership of your health in a way that um, is, is proactive and will be really profound for you. I mean, I've been in, excuse me, I've been in medicine 25 years, you know, and um, a lot of what I see, I don't want my life to be like. You know what I mean? I don't want to be going to, to seven doctor's appointments every month. <laughs> you know what uh-huh. I mean? Uh-huh. And um, it's not a future I want for myself. So I want, to, I want to do what I can to maximize my health so I can, you know, keep away from these chronic diseases. But, you know, I mean, look, at cancer seems to be everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, so, and, and even these knee replacements, they're, they're, they're uh, exploding, right? People are getting, right. you know, lots of these. And I, I can't, you know... I don't believe that um, we're all just uh, wearing out our knee faster than our grandparents did. They worked hard, you know, our grandparents. And uh, they were on our knees kneeling. They were doing laundry, washing, and raising kids. And, and they, were, they were moving and using those knees every day of their life. 
you know, and we, we may be more active with exercise and sports somewhat, but a lot of times the rest of the time we're, we're relatively inactive, I think, compared to them. So well, I, um, I think I, that the flip answer to that would be obesity. So the, oh, right, but we're also mm-hmm. heavy, that's where we're wearing the joint, four pounds for every, mm-hmm. you know, pounds of pressure. Yeah. You know, the whole, yeah. that, that whole equation. And, and suddenly you can, I could argue with you about that, but your point is, is well said. You know, the easy answer would be obesity, but that may not really explain it. It may be that we all just have a predisposition to want a technical technology-based solution. Well, here's the you thing. Know, here's solve the our problem. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, that's a good point. But the obesity thing is that um, a lot of that visceral fat becomes an endocrine organ and releases inflammatory molecules. So there's where you have that. Okay, right? And then here's the thing that, that is really the, has, has researchers, it's really, I guess, when they started looking at it, is that obese people have higher rates of wrist osteoarthritis. So if you have wrist OA, it's not a loading issue. It's not a weight-bearing issue. It's not a wear and tear issue like you would at your knees. So why do obese people have higher rates of risk that way? And that's really where the researchers started, I think, you know, that glaring kind of inconsistency. Why is that happening? What's going on here? Maybe it's inflammation. Uh-huh. And that, I think, finally, Michelle, let's get to your book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because you know what, we could be distracted. <laughs> I know this is totally fine. Yeah. Honestly, we could go in a million directions, and I kind of want to. But um, yeah. but let's get to uh, what I've observed. Okay, so I downloaded the Kitchen Rescue uh, from your website, Kitchen Rescue Rescue Pack Bundle. Now, tell me first of all, is that something? Did you create that, or is that something you just made available? What, what uh, is that's, that? That's that part that of download? Precision Nutrition. Precision Nutrition is an awesome program and platform, which is what I'm using with patients. Okay. And um, it's, the difference is it's habit-based, right? So, um, you know, I use my brother as an example a lot. He, um, he did Nutrisystem. He lost 50 pounds, and then he gained it back. He lost another 70 pounds and gained it back. Why? Because he had, they have meal plans, right? And so you, the problem is that you never really um, – identify things like emotional eating, um, your, your stress habits, um, maybe, uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of reasons why you, or your, your cooking skills, your repertoire. I don't know how to cook real food. So as soon as you get off those boxed and processed, you know, packaged meals, you still have the same problems, you still have the same diet and habits that you had beforehand. So he put it all right back on. So anyways, Precision Nutrition's focus is we're going we're gonna to address those. And I think it's phenomenal. It really is a, a, an awesome program. Um, it, it's, it's about nutritional transformation. But once you get those principles, it's, you could even use it for life transformation. So that's where that, um, those resources come from. They're really, really well done. Everything they do is well done. I, I noticed I watched the video on your site and downloaded the PDF. And so I was impressed with, the program, and that's you're a, a level two nutrition mm-hmm. precision right. coach, right? Precision, right? Um, and but but it, it seems like there were three focal points to the program, it, uh, which is the anti-inflammatory part of this, the roadmap, daily check-ins, one-on-one coaching. But but let me back up 
those are the functional attributes of the program. But who do you want to come visit you and sign up or become part of your, your program? And, you know, and what, what, what are the focal points of what you do? Well, anyone that's really seeking, I mean, obviously the best choice is somebody who we spoke of earlier has knee pain on both sides, no real specific injury um, that they can attribute this issue to, um, and that really want to avoid a knee replacement. You know, they're, they're, and, and, you know, they have to be willing to make some changes. This isn't easy. Yeah, PJ, it's not a quick fix. I mean, you know, sometimes it's easier to take the, oh, I just get the surgery and then, you know, I'm good. But, I, you know, I would tell people, hey, you're cutting out that check engine light that's trying to warn you of something. Maybe you've got something down the road. Um, you know, you've got an unhealthy environment, and that's one of the things that I kind of preach is you can't have a healthy knee in an unhealthy environment, right? There's this, when I do a presentation, I show these fish in dirty water. And I say, now, what are we going to do with that fish? Um, he's sick, you know, but he's, he's, he's in an overcrowded pond and thought the water's dirty. Maybe there's some toxins and stuff like that. Should we give him a supplement? <laughs> right. And the answer is no, well, that's kind of stupid. You know, he's not get, he's, he needs more than a supplement. And then I show another picture. There are fish, they're swimming around. It's, it's a clear, pristine water. The environment's better. That fish is going to do better in a, in a better environment. We can't continue to think of our knee as some sort of isolated thing that doesn't exist in our body. Yeah. You know, Michelle, um, you are the queen of good analogies, by the way. You're really, you're really good at this. You've had a whole bunch on this call so far. I wish I could just come up with them like you do. It's, it's impressive. It's good. Well, I just, I totally you know, get it. To, yeah. Trying, Fish, trying to relate, it makes sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, so we're going to look at the environment. So, so the whole idea of this program is to say, okay, this is the thing with your knees, and, and to think of it as a, a gift and a blessing. You know, your knees are hurting, but, but let's, let's address the whole health of your whole body, and let's concentrate our efforts toward maximizing that health and see where your knees go. And maybe your knee problem will be eliminated. And, in fact, in a lot of cases, you do. So um, that's the person I'm looking for. What we do is we take its it's, it's customized. So what I do is we do a basic, simple blood chemistry analysis. And the amazing thing about a, a simple blood chemistry is doctors, of course, have been using them for years, but they use reference ranges, PJ. So a reference range is from the lab, and it's based on everybody that's taken the test. So in most cases, it's based on more sick people than healthy people because more sick people get their labs done. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not optimal ranges. So we do know optimal ranges for these blood chemistry markers, and they're much tighter. And we, they come from very, these are very healthy people that the optimal ranges are. And so we can start to see sort of trends and patterns that suggest, hey, you might have some liver, sluggish liver, right? Or you might have some gastric distress, or maybe your proteins aren't being um, uh, assimilated and digested properly. Uh, maybe you have some low stomach acid. So these are all like sort of underlying conditions that can predispose yourself to chronic disease later. These are the things you want to catch and remedy so that you don't get sick down the road. Uh, so yeah. That's, yeah. That's, um, that's the initial thing. So we'll do a simple blood mm-hmm. chemistry, take some inflammatory markers, see where you're at there. And then, um, you know, make some recommendations. Um, you know, supplements are, are a part of it, but 
they're a supplement. If you don't make major changes in your diet um, and lifestyle, um, supplements will not help you. You know, supplements alone, in my opinion, right? Um, so then you get the customized, um, you know, precision nutrition program, and then we 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 bring in the exercise piece. Now I won't bring in the exercise piece until. Um, Maybe there's, it depends on the person, right? If you're in just a, a large amounts of pain, then you're going to address the diet first. And, you know, PG, that comes from, you know, a big study where they did a randomized control trial. They did diet and exercise changes. They did diet alone and exercise alone. Okay, so diet and exercise, like we would think, did best. You know, both of those changes together had the most significant effect on knee function and knee pain. But what came in next? What do you think? You know where I'm uh, Diet. <laughs> Yay! Right? So diet alone changed people's pain and improved their function more sure. than just exercise. Okay? Yeah. So that's where, yeah. again, that's sort of a inflammatory component, right? What's going on with the diet, and exercise, or the, the diet that makes more changes than just the exercise? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I would start with the, the, the diet, and then we would, we would work with range of motion. So we would restore range of motion if there's any lack in that. I use, um, and people can write this down, I, I love um, Robin McKenzie. He's a longtime, you know, world-renowned physical therapist, wrote a small book called Treat Your Own Knee, like Treat Your hmm. Back. And, um, and so he just restores range of motion. Um, some, some of it can be for a mechanical derangement, which is like a sort of a meniscus issue. But it's good to just say, okay, let's, let's, let's try to get back the most range that we can if we've lost some in this process of, you know, increasing knee pain. We start there, start with gentle exercise. Then you go to a precision nutrition program that is geared toward people who have chronic lower limb problems. So it's mostly upper extremity and hip related. So mm-hmm. we're not asking you to do... A whole bunch of squats, right? Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that, and then you get coaching. You get one-on-one coaching. So you get people, you know, me actually, looking over your program, giving you comments and feedback, um, touching base with you. And the the precision nutrition program is a year long. So you say, wow, I don't, you know, that's huge. But yeah, you know, you need if you're going to make changes that stick, you need to you need to persist with it you know, and be committed to, I'm really making a lifestyle change. So there's two ways, though, that people can work with me. If they say, you know, Michelle, I kind of got the diet and lifestyle thing down. I feel like I'm that kind of person that can implement things on my own, which is fine. There are those people out there. Then um, they can work with me to get some functional blood chemistry analysis done and some recommendations that way um, so that they can find out what underlying conditions might be there that they need to address. And then they can make their own, you know, lifestyle changes. I was just thinking that, that make- you know, being a year long, that the coaching, the daily interaction or the one-on-one calls would be absolutely crucial because it was a great idea three weeks ago to do this program, but boy, I'm in the middle of my <laughs> life right now and my kids need Halloween costumes and I, you know, I'm not thinking about absolutely. my program. And there's Michelle. Hey, there's a text or right. a call or whatever it is, you know, like I need that. To remind me That's why right. I'm doing this. Right. And yeah, you're constantly, you know, it's like when you want to make those changes, the goal that stays foremost in your mind is the one that gets done, right? So you're, 
you're constantly having it back up and you may forget it and life happens and, you know, you get a little off track and then boom, we're back on track again. And, and precision nutrition is great from the standpoint of, you know, it's not a um, hard driving thing. It's like, how can we get just a little bit better than yesterday? How can we make a little bit better meal? Because it's not a all or nothing. There's not good, bad food. How do we, how do we transition toward, you know, a little bit better each day? How do we get the skills? To do that, how do we create the time? How do we? Because we focus on time management in that program as well. Because it's like mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, okay, you got to, oh, cook raw food and you're or not raw food, but cook real healthy food. Well, that takes a little bit more time and prep, and planning. You know, you can't just uh, stop at the restaurant and get a takeout meal on the way home. So, how do you integrate that in your busy lifestyle? So, you know, all those things get addressed there. The things that really the roadblocks to people. And they're not something that we leave to the side and, and hope that you, you know, conquer on your own. Well, it's a rare opportunity for someone signing up to get all of you in, in that sense where, you know, it is a, you know, you've got a lot to offer. And it can be diet. It can be inflammation. It's obviously exercise. And then there's just, you know, prioritization. And this is for you. And you've decided, you've made a decision. You're going to take a year. You're going to focus on part of your day. You're going to focus some time on, your, on you and your health and wellness, et cetera. And, you know, you've got, a, you've got an opportunity to, to make that big change. And they decided upon your program and not a different program, right, or to try to do it on their own, which is perilous. And, and you mentioned your brother, you know, which is right. that, that rubber banding going back and forth, up and down, up and down. And that's so common for so many people. So yeah. it they, sounds they, they very productive. A lot of yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's go through the... How do we, what's the best way for someone to engage with you? How do they get to you? Yeah, the easiest way is um, I have a URL called um, meetmichellept.com. Got so it. meetmichellept.com. And it goes right to a Calendly uh, page where they can sign up to talk to me. You know, so I'm a human being and, um, you know, that's <laughs> the best way to decide if it's, you know, I'll hear, you know, your situation and um, maybe what you've tried in the past and, um, you know, what your goal is, and then you can see if it's a, it's a good fit for you. Um, and, again, there might be some people that just want to do a functional blood chemistry, you know, um, half year or maybe even quarterly to kind of keep track of those inflammatory markers. I actually have some customized lab panels created with Ultralab that, um, you know, can, people can get more full-blown type really, you know, in-depth look at their chemistries, inflammatory markers, um, or they can get the sim- – and there's a lot to be learned from a simple blood chemistry stuff. Um, so they, there's the gamut there. And then, you know, but just talk, you know, talk to me because I can, you know, then we can figure out what might be good for you and, and what, what would be the best path. That's great. And then uh, – so I'll, and I'll share links, of course, in the, the blog and the podcast mm-hmm. and the- show notes and all that stuff. So it'll be easy for someone to just, who's listening to this, click in and go schedule an appointment with you. Then there's the book, of course, that we refer, referred to a couple times, Fast Track to Recovery from a Total Knee Replacement. That is on Amazon, probably other places, but that's an easy one to understand that protocol that you developed back way mm-hmm. back when, 12 years ago. I mean, I know it's not seven years ago. I sound ancient now, PJ. I know, it's not that long. Uh, it's 2012. That's okay. Uh, but, that's uh yeah she's this old lady she's so old no Easy. not at all yeah 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 like eons ago right yeah way back at uh, 12 or whatever um so um 
that's another thing to consume and, and explore a little bit. And you can obviously get a sense of it by, you know, going on Amazon and leaping through some pages, which they let you do, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, and so the, the URL, uh, the book, and um, gee, is there anything we've left on the table? This has been really great. No, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, like in my site, I, my thinking and stuff, this stuff has, has progressed and all the research and, you know, and I'm, I'm talking to different people. I'm meeting with, you know, these different surgeons and I've actually talked to somebody in India about a protocol that he's doing, which is kind of interesting. Won't get into that. But, you know, things have been accelerating so fast that I haven't had time to really update the website with a lot of this information, unfortunately. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm working at trying to get some, some help doing that, you know, um, and um, so, you know, really the best way to do it is to contact me and get that information, you know, live because it, there's a, it's more related to knee replacement recovery, unfortunately, my site right now. But I'm working yeah. on it. So. Got it. Got it. You need a good virtual assistant to start yes, they do. <laughs> being a little busy bee behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, on this particular podcast, right, we talk to a lot of patients. We talk about equipment and gear and um, you know, results and, but it's all around most of it anyways, is around the surgery, you know? Mm-hmm. And in this case, you know, this is going to be probably the most popular of all of the podcast episodes because this allows us to maybe skip it or put it off at least. So I think yeah. that, you know, this is going to stand out um, for our audience and I know they're going to appreciate some of the thinking and some of the links and, and hopefully they'll get on the phone with you and talk about their situation specifically. So Awesome. Really cool stuff. Thanks, Michelle. I really appreciate you being here. PJ, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We'd like to thank a few friends of the Bees Knees podcast, including the Knee Pain Guru, natural solutions for chronic knee pain without drugs, shots, surgery, or painful physical therapy. For more info, visit thekneepainguru.com. We're also brought to you by X10 Therapy. And special thanks to Dr. Justin Trosclair at the podcast, A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Trosclair, host of two-time Podcast Awards-nominated A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. I interview doctors in and out of my profession about their specialties and the occasional non-doctor special guests. But we also go behind the curtain and see what's working for their marketing, overcoming struggles, practical knowledge, book choices, and relationship advice. Join me on any podcast app on your phone or visit adoctorsperspective.net for the show notes pages and free resources. I want you to have an abundant home life as well as a thriving practice. So come on, take a listen. The Bees Knees Podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.